Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Hey, can you do me a couple of ones in a chance for Fact machine takes one, don't it? Yeah, yeah. Hey, whoa, 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 don't do that. No point doing that. Give him the tenner back, right? You give him the fiver and the fifty, right? Give him that back. So you take that and you just give him the free ones. Right? Give him the free ones, that's it. Now you give him thirty, right? You give him the ten bob back and you owe him, if I'm right, twenty-two pence. <laughs> that's wrong, isn't it? Simon Day and Friends, featuring Billy Bleach and Dave Angel from BBC's The Fast Show. Friday, July the 3rd, 8.30, live on Facebook. Tickets only £5. Go to biletto.co.uk and search Simon Day and Friends. Good evening and welcome, well, actually, good morning and welcome to the Chills, because we're doing this really early in the morning, because thanks to lockdown, we're really early birds these days. And so far, the season has been going well results-wise, two wins in the league, a cup victory, although hardly one to savour, and there's plenty to, to discuss on, on the field again, and helping me to make sense of it all is the sensible and the well-renowned and established pundit and, and orator, Mr. Andy Saunders. Wow. That's quite a build-up. Oh, I know. I, I got carried away. <laughs> you did get quite carried away. I'm not. I'm not that early a riser. 
well, I'm not. You know, I mean, it's, especially on days like this, it's a kind of miserable, gloomy day, uh, which after the beautiful weather we've had is a little bit depressing. I find it quite difficult to struggle out of bed on days like this. Yeah, it, it is. You get it, up at like five in the morning, don't you? Uh, well, I never used to. I mean, I kind of did in a previous incarnation when I was a, a an antique dealer before before I got into buying and selling art. I used to get up with the lark at about three thirty most mornings and do all the street markets in London, like Portobello and Camden Passage and yeah. Camden Lock and I think we Bermondsey. Met, we mentioned all this last week when we spoke about getting up in the morning. Oh, I have no idea. That was last week. Any- <laughs> <laughs> I think we did. I can't Let's remember all the listeners <laughs> without without getting up in the morning stories. And another but, um, thing, have I ever told you how I used to get up for antique? Mar- oh no, we've done that. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, okay, well, but no, but you do get up early in the morning. Is that because you're an old man? Because because like old people get up really early, don't they? <laughs> no, it's just it's just coincided with the fact that um, I started to work on this um, uh, drop shop podcast tennis series that we'd recorded last year and had problems nice plug. with. Yeah, nice plug. I know. Thank you very much. But I. I I kind of once the day starts going around here it's quite noisy with with um the dogs next door if i want to record anything you live in the middle of nowhere i know but they've got really noisy dogs next door and um they're they're not far from my window half the time so it just an air gun mate yeah i I, (laughs) exactly well um i just thought it'd be quite nice to get up and get work done by by nine or whatever or so yeah i've been getting up at half five most mornings and just working on that till nine and i've loved it because suddenly it's still got the whole day i I still work through the day as well on it but you get it i mean i I wish i could i just can't i'm just i'm just a lazy yeah, the, the only S-O-B. weird thing is I have to go to bed a bit earlier, so and I, that's that's like anathema to me. It's just not my thing going to bed early. Yeah, I don't do that. I go, I go to bed late. Yeah. So, but anyway, yes. gloomy day. So. Glo- yeah, gloomy day. It's it's another British summer. It feels perfect to be editing stuff about tennis in Britain during mm. a, a summer like this. You, you know, we've until When's it, your tennis podcast going to be out. Uh, well, hoping to get it out in time for the US Open, which is uh, end of August. Okay. So, so yeah, sort of August time. So whenever everyone goes on holiday, hopefully we'll release into the void. Um, I don't know. Well, people will take it on holiday with them. Yeah, they will. And there should be about 23 episodes. So, uh, wow. Great. Uh, How long are the episodes? Uh, between 35 and 45 minutes each. Okay. So bite-sized. That's good. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Fun-sized. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible the amount of interviews we actually got in the bag last year. There Great. was a lot. 46. Six different players, and um, most of the top players as well. So, uh, um, yeah. Did you get Djokovic? You're going to be able to tear a strip off of him about his idiocy. Yeah, I, I've I've spoken to Djokovic a couple of times. Um, in fact, actually, the the more established the players, the more boring they are to chat to because there's yeah. they're you know this they've been media trained to within an inch of their life. Well, they've so, just done every interview yeah. they ever want to do, don't they? So this well, is almost, it's just a chore for them. Well, and I found this, you know, with musicians as you have the journalists who walk in and go i've got the question you've never heard and of course they have they've, yeah. they've heard every variation so but also they, they learn not to give anything away particularly whereas if you're talking to younger players they're, they're still enthusiastic about things and they're discovering things about themselves about the game about life and that becomes a more interesting conversation to have Well, the best conversations are when you don't have any kind of script you don't have any kind of question list of questions just go in there and have a conversation just see where it goes it's the rabbit holes that are the interesting places 
places, and and that, I mean, like we do, we don't have a, we don't have a script, or I certainly don't have a script. I mean, you have some notes, but I mean, we don't we don't plan it really, do we? So I no. just think you just you just have a conversation, and no. I think if you interview anybody, whether it's a musician or a tennis player or anybody, if you just start talking, interesting things will happen. And the problem is, the interviewers go in there with a prescribed list of questions. And the whole thing becomes very stilted and boring for both parties. Yeah, and I, I found this with, with the players, is there's always a mediator in the room. You're yeah. never allowed to actually be alone. And you know, with sports people, it, it's, it's strange, because I'm used to sitting down and chatting with people like you are with your forthcoming podcast series, of being able to, to really grow the conversation. And yeah. with players, you've got probably a maximum of six minutes on your own with them. That's it. If you get right. more than six. So you, you kind of try and build up a friendship from the start uh, and try and win them over so you can get something out of them. And by the time you're getting going, that's it. You, you know, you get the, that's it. Thank you very much. We've got to go now. Um, right. So you, <laughs> it, it, it's hard work. And sometimes it works really well. Sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes a player just puts their hand up and says, no, I'm all right for a few more minutes. And you make the most of it. And uh, yeah. trying to find out uh, the inside and the inside track is always... Hard work, but especially in six minutes. But yeah, um, well, looking forward to it, mate. So, how's your week been? Are you back to near normal, or is it still no. abnormal? No, it's all, it's still incredibly abnormal. Um, I mean, in, in, until I can go and sit with clients in an office or in an environment where we can talk face to face, it will be abnormal. You never have the same conversations with people, or the same uh, the same kind of connection with people on a zoom call or on, a, on on any kind of other video platform you have to really sit with people to to you know to get a connection so i'm really missing that i'm missing that kind of human connection with my clients because we get stuff done and we have proper conversations and it's all a little bit you know at arm's length when you're when you're talking remotely so no it's it's abnormal the, the music industry is still abnormal um you know there's lots of concerns about live music venues and li- live music is the beating heart of the music industry so we're all very worried and concerned about that we seem to have stabilized record shops for the time being um record companies are still putting out releases but the, they're, they're they're not functioning as they you know as they would normally um music publishers are doing okay so it's a kind of very weird time for the music industry so no very very abnormal professionally this is an interesting question because somebody was saying to me oh yeah but you know bands and musicians can still release records and i said but the whole point is live music is so much part of the fabric of how a band evolves and and you'd say that's true wouldn't you that it's an essential part of it well it's an essential part of how you promote your record as well i mean having it's it's an essential part of building an audience uh, and a fan base is live music. I mean, of course, you can engage with people via social media, uh, and a lot of people do, but really there's nothing quite like, again, that word connection and engagement with an audience of standing in front of them and playing your music live. That That's how you build fans. That's how you create a fan base. And if you can't do that, it's very difficult to get any level of momentum going for a record release. Um, so it's you know, it's difficult. I mean, radio play is one thing, media coverage is another thing, but the kind of real core of it is is going out and touring and 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 having that connection. And it is what makes a band ultimately, especially when we're talking about bands and and, and groups. Um, it, that that live thing gels people together like 
no matter how much rehearsal or studio time you have, the, the live thing does something magical, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does, and it's a, it's a real shame that people can't go and do that, and I know a lot of people are really missing it, and that's their... That's their outlet. That's their creative outlet. Not not just only the bands themselves, but the audiences. People who go and see live music, who love live music. You know, they're they're really they're really missing it, and I feel for them because you know it's a huge part of people's lives. Yeah, I agree. And um, we won't stay on music too much longer because uh, we've got so much to talk about. But anything that you recommend that's come out this week, uh, new or something, one new, one old, anything to titivate? Well, new music, not really. I haven't really, you know, sort of. I'm, I'm not. I'm not listening to a huge amount of new music at the moment. I mean, I would. I would recommend um, the new Laura Marling record if you haven't heard that. Which oh, it's is, beautiful. Which is a great record, and the physical release of that comes out in a couple of weeks' time. You can you can already um, stream that, um, and it's a it's a beautiful record. It's essentially a record about her her daughter. Um, and it's, uh, it's an imaginary daughter though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's just a, just a fabulous, fabulous record. So, um, you know, I recommend that it's called song for our daughter. Um, and, uh, a record that I've been listening to a lot this week is, is, uh, the self-titled album by a band from Austin, Texas called black pumas, which came out a year ago, uh, almost, almost to the week. Um, and, we re-released it as part of our Love Record Stores Day uh, event uh, on coloured vinyl. Um, and so I just managed to, to snag a copy of, of that on coloured vinyl. But I've been listening to it again. It's a fabulous, soulful, melodic, authentic record. And if you like, if you like soul music and you like uh, melody and you like really authentic songwriting, then Black Pumas is definitely worth checking out. Uh, I have to agree with you there <clears throat> on your recommendation because um, I, I remembered hearing it last year or whenever it came out um, and then I forgot about it and you reminded me this week and I went out and bought it so um, yeah it's it's fantastic um, Did but, you buy it on vinyl on CD? No, I've got to get a new vinyl um, player, a record player in fact, that's what they're called a vinyl <laughs> player Jesus. Did you buy it on CD? Uh, yeah I did yeah, I mean that's fine. I mean it's a it's a great great record, but it sounds it sounds beautiful on vinyl because it's got that it's the way it's produced and the way it's recorded just gives it a warmth that really comes across on vinyl. Yeah, no, I agree. There is something within the grooves of a record you cannot replicate. I don't think that all records sound amazing no. on vinyl. I mean, some records are, you know, particularly records that are more digital in their in, in their in their production are, you know, they sound perfectly fine on 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 CD and perfectly fine streamed. I mean, the problem with streaming is that records are compressed, and so you don't get that you don't get the whole sound of the record because it's compressed on on streaming. Uh, CD CDs are great for for certain types of bands, but anything that's recorded even vaguely analog is is a beautiful sound on vinyl yeah i was just going to say analog and you've used the word um mm. yeah no that's cool well my my quick tips are uh my new one is kitchen sink by nadine shah who i just love uh, i don't know whether you're uh, familiar yeah, with her but really oh. really great artist oh she's great she she's um she she's just got a voice that 
just gets better and better. One of those artists that I've, I've just watched and loved watching, seeing her grow as a musician. I think she's been great from the start, but it's really nuanced. So, uh, yeah, Kitchen Sink by Nadine Shah. Go listen to it. It's fantastic. And my old thing that I discovered is kind of, well, there's two. One is Lowell George, who died 41 years ago today. Thanks, I'll eat it here. Guitarist in Little Feet was just an incredible guy, incredible guitarist. Um, that's beautiful. 20 Million Things on that album is one of the greatest uh, songs I've ever heard. Um, and the other thing I would recommend, it's come out now, but it's old, is Neil Young's album Homegrown. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, I just, we'll get on to football right now. I just think that it, it's such a beautiful... I've never really got on with Neil Young. I'm going to admit that. Because <laughs> no, that's I cool. Just, well, no, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I, I like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. I mean, I like I like the work he does with, with those guys. I find his voice irritating. I mean, yeah. I, I love his songwriting and certain things I really like, but I, I find that slightly nasally vocal. I just, I can't get on with it. And <laughs> I've really tried. And that's not denigrating him. I think he's a great artist and a brilliant songwriter and an incredibly important figure in popular music. It's just, you know, some, when somebody's voice just doesn't connect with you. Well, for me, for years, Dylan's voice didn't connect with me. I could, that's, I could, a very, that's a very common one for people, yeah. isn't it? Dylan. Rufus Wainwright's another one that people just... I mean, my wife is like the world's biggest Rufus Wainwright fan, but I can't. His, his voice puts my teeth on edge. Yeah, you, I, I remember you saying this before. And, um, yeah, I, I get it with Neil Young. It's very distinctive. It's kind of like you easy. Distinctive, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I just like the fact that this album he made in... 1974 and as he says his line about it is i apologize this album homegrown should have been there for you all a couple of years after harvest it's the Mm. sad side of a love affair the damage done the heartache i just couldn't listen to it i wanted to move on so i kept it to myself hidden away in the vault on the shelf in the back of my mind but i should have shared it and it's about his love affair with carrie snodgrass uh, an actress at the time and and actually it's classic you think oh i i actually haven't ever heard this but it's all the same cadences and and rhythms and and feel of that period so yeah it's a it's a it's, a, it's an interesting album if you like neil young you'll love it if you don't like neil young you probably want to steer clear of it <laughs> <laughs> he's he's quite marmite i think neil yeah young. he is he is marmite and sometimes but people just, do people if you do connect with him people love it i mean properly love it yeah, I is. actually went to see him live in Finsbury Park in the 90s, um, and he was good. He was really good live, I have to say. I enjoyed him more live than I did on record. Yeah, wait, live. with Crazy Horse. Yeah, well, so, Ragged Glory been. has to be one of the great albums, and yeah, he is, he's, he's like a different beast live, I think. I think you're yeah. right. It's a, it's a good, good way to describe him, I think. Um, so, yeah, okay, so, so we have football, and we've had uh, an awful lot of it. So what I think we should actually do... Oh, the, one last thing on music. What's your, what's your playlist this week? Oh, so we're doing the, um, well, yeah, for, for, on, on your sort of whining, pleading, <laughs> begging uh, <laughs> recommendation. We, I did a little poll and Disco, Disco yeah. won this week. So we've done a uh, Chelsea Spotify playlist uh, on Disco. So Chelsea Disco is now up on Spotify. Uh, I'm going to post it on Twitter. 
uh, a little bit later on. I'll post a link to it. Um, but if you want to search for it, you can search uh, Velocity PR, which is me on Spotify, and all the Chelsea playlists are on there. But it's actually it's actually really really good. The disco one. It's five or six hours of banging tunes. So uh, grab yourself a baby sham and and a glitter ball and uh, and and enjoy. Yeah. What did uh, you choose? You choose Oops Upside Your Head, which is a school disco classic, isn't it? Absolutely. Stone Cold classic. Yeah, the Gap yeah. Band. Uh, I loved it. The, the other one I would have picked was already taken, Boogie Oogie Oogie. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it just, you know, there's, there's something about it. There's a warmth. There's actually a depth to it. I mean, musically, there's so much going on in some of these tracks. And, yeah. yeah. I think I, it's, I don't think I can listen to six hours, no. it, to be honest. But, you know, it's, 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 it's good if you want to have a bit of a boogie. I mean, the good thing about these playlists is they're chosen by Chelsea fans. They're not chosen by me. I don't put them together. I just put it out there and people send me their one track. So... Uh, if, if you haven't, you know, if you haven't heard me talk about this before, it's something we've done before. We've done Motown, we've done New Wave Punk, we've done Rock Heavy Metal, we've done Reggae, we've done Northern Soul, and now we're doing Disco. So there's music for all occasions here. We have to think of some new genres uh, moving forward. So... Uh, so we will, but no, that's up this week. I'll post it later on this morning. Fantastic. Um, but it's really weird. If you go on Spotify and go under Velocity PR, there's already a disco one from some time ago. Did you already do one some yeah, years ago? Yeah, I did ago? one for myself, yeah. Uh, see? See? You really are a discoteer, aren't you? I don't know. Listen, I've never had a problem with disco at all. I, I like it. I mean, it's fine. I'm not a great dancer, that's the thing. So. Oh, really? Nah. <laughs> nah. I just find dancing a bit weird. I, really I find it a bit odd. I, I'm very self-conscious when I dance, if huh? I dance, which is rarely. Really Are you a dancer? Wanna... Yeah, yeah, I, I love Are a dance. You? Yeah, 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 I love it. Oh, I just I find it. it a weird thing to do. It I is. And when I'm doing it, I'm thinking, what am I doing? It's just a weird thing. It's totally I weird. Find, I sometimes think that about clapping. Clapping's a weird thing as well. <laughs> Don't you think? When you're sitting there and you're sort of banging your hands together and you're thinking, what am I doing? This is such a strange thing to be doing. Probably best not to think about it. Oh, my gosh. Clapping and dancing are weird in your world. Okay, I I can accept. I can accept most things these days. So, yeah, we'll we'll go with that. Weird to clap, weird to dance. Okay, Uh, that may be the title for this podcast. I was going to say, that's quite weird to dance. It's quite a good podcast. Yeah, I think we'll we'll have that. Weird dancing. But, um, okay, so look, we actually had some football this this week, um, and I think the best place to start is we should let Nizar Kinsella report in because he went to both games and he was behind the scenes. He actually went there. So let's hear from Naz, who is Goal.com's Chelsea correspondent. Hi, all. This is Nizar Kinsella, Goal's Chelsea correspondent, reporting for the Chelsea. Um, I've been lucky to have two games this week. Um, you know, I went to the Chelsea-Man City home game, a uh, great win for Chelsea. And the other one was a great win, the FA Cup uh, away game at Leicester City. So, yeah, it was a very strange experience, my first behind-closed-doors uh, football, uh, you know, life experience. And it, it was, you know, something I'm privileged to have because I'm aware that, you know, a lot of people listening to this will regularly go to Chelsea games and, and not have the opportunity to go. So I feel almost guilty in a way. But, um, yeah, you go in there um, as a journalist, you know, you're working um, and and you're kind of, you know, we usually get to the games two hours before, but now they're only letting us in an hour and a half before. So you go there uh, on an empty tube, it was, for the first game on the empty London Underground, which is not typical on a Chelsea match day. Nobody outside the stadium, really. Um, 
And yeah, you go in and get your uh, get your temperature checked. You sign a form uh, to say that you don't have any of the symptoms, um, and then you go in and, and you know you get your accreditation. Get a bottle of water. You get directed to your seat. Um, you're not allowed out of your seat during the match, and then you know, uh, and then you you know you get another bottle of water at your seat, and that's it really. So that's the experience of of watching football in lockdown, and there's no atmosphere. Uh, probably took me like five minutes to sort of get used to what it was like watching football in this sort of brave new world we've got. Um, and then yeah, you kind of do get into it, you get used to it, and it probably helped that the the two games were pretty high quality, high quality opponents, high quality Chelsea performances. Um, you know, particularly the Man City game, which was a great match. Um, and yeah, uh, you kind of have a virtual press conference after you sign into Zoom, and then Frank Lampard's there or or the opposition manager. So um, yeah, that's been the reporting. It's been difficult um, because they kick you out an hour after the game, um, and you've you've not quite finished your work. So um, it can be difficult trying to work on the underground or at Leicester. I was working in the um, you know the car park after the game, so it wasn't like the best work environment i must say um you know your wi-fi might not be as strong because you might because you're socially distancing so you're sitting quite far from wherever the um, wi-fi hotspot is so um yeah there's lots of little challenges like that you're trying to overcome while you're there at the games um you know you might not have a tv screen which we're used to to see replays and especially with var now that that's kind of essential to have that replay um so i was watching the game on bt sport um while i was in the stadium uh, at leicester just so i could see those replays um so yeah it's 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 a challenge sort of reporting this environment um but you are privileged so you can't complain as well so it's kind of the situation we're at and yeah it was strange to leave the to leave london for the first time in four months to go to a game as well with leicester city so um i you know i'm from the north of england so uh it was it was bizarre to leave the city and then go to a, another one and and it was kind of really nice um i was really lucky to get that um so yeah uh, i kind of feel privileged but at the same time it's not as good if you get it uh, if you get what i mean um but yeah um uh, Chelsea playing really well and, and, you know, I'm getting entertained for free. Um, and yeah, we don't get our food as well. Uh, a big part of reporting is the Chelsea food. Chelsea do the best food in the Premier League. Leicester do very good food as well. So um, it's been a big miss on that front, but certainly won't be missing Burnley or, or Crystal Palace's food when, when, when we go to those stadiums. Anyway, I've rambled on long enough, but I hope you're all staying well um, and, and great to be back on the pod. There we go, Andy. So... He mentions going to Leicester. Uh, he mentions going to City. Um, he, he also mentions the outbreak of the coronavirus in Leicester, which is only up the road from me. And he th- thought that was a weird thing. That's all going on around him. But is there any envy from you that he's actually in the ground watching the games? Would you like to be there? We went to. Do you remember we went to Leicester with Naz? Yes, I do. Yeah, it was a while back, wasn't it? We went, we sort of, we all met at your house and then went up to up to up to the game. Um, yeah, of course I would. I'd love to be there, um, even in know, an empty no- stadium. Yeah, of course, I'd love to be able to watch it live. I think there's nothing like watching football live. I think it's an amazing thing. I mean, I've enjoyed it watching it on the telly, but I love I love going to watch football live. So yes, of course I would. Um, I don't think it would be the same atmosphere. Well, it wouldn't. There's no atmosphere. Um, so you wouldn't you wouldn't have any of that. But I think that just being able to to watch a game, the panorama of a game uh, from the stands, is a very different experience to watching watching it on telly. 
Yeah, I, I know I'm bringing this back to tennis, but last summer when I was going around all the tournaments, um, there was one in Nottingham that was particularly rain-affected, and no, none of the crowd... It was a grass court tournament, and they couldn't play outside and all they had was a handful of indoor courts which of course the public couldn't get into because they were all adjoined to the players dressing rooms so I ended up really as the only because these games were going on till 11 o'clock at night and I ended up on the side of the court with the coaching staff watching world-class players playing to nobody other than their coaching staff and me and it was the weirdest thing you know I mean tennis is a bit different because you're an individual and you're fighting for your game. But I can imagine what it must be like in the ground because you see the commitment, but you Mm. wonder if some of the edge is taken off. But I have to say, from what I've seen of the game so far, on the whole, people may not be fit enough, but they seem to be fighting. Mm. Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, you know, we'll get on to the Leicester game. There was very little fight in that game. Well, that was one of the weirdest. We will get to that. Let, let's go through the good part of the week first, I, I think. Um, you know, um, but again, when do you think John asks, or when do you think fans will be allowed back into Stamford Bridge? I can't see it for, for months, can you? Not this year. I genuinely can't see it this year. There's just far too many hurdles and obstacles and protocols to overcome before we even think about putting 30,000, 40,000 people in a stadium together. I mean, I, I just can't see it. I can't, I can't see how we can do any level of mass gathering, if, as you say, for months and months. I just can't see it. No. And I might be wrong. I'm not I, sure I'd want to anyway at the moment. I still think we're going to have a huge second wave. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I, I mean, mean, if you look at if you look at everything from the mass gatherings of protests, people at the beach, uh, people just essentially just deciding that lockdown is over. Uh, you know, everywhere I go, people are gathering, and I just can't see anything but a second wave coming. I can't see it. It's like, how can it not? So, well, so maybe I'm just being really pessimistic and really negative, but I just think. F- Factually, if you look at the fact that, you know, lots of people have gathered in the same place, I mean, whether, you, whether it's the Liverpool fans the other night or it's just it's just seems to me crazy that that, that people haven't haven't seen this through, that they've unilaterally decided that it's OK. It's OK to kind of gather. Um, so I think in the next couple of months, I mean, we already saw, as you say, we already saw it with Leicester. Leicester's about to go into the first localised lockdown. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And and so when that happens, that's just going to start the whole process again and push back when we can mass gather. So in answer to the question, I can't see it for a long, long time. No, I would agree with you. And when you look at America, which is, you know, fighting for its freedom and fighting to avoid face masks and things. I know. And, it's and become at- sort of macho now to not wear a face mask. It's yeah. ludicrous. Look, I'm not a scientist. I don't know the entomology and the virology of this. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I might be talking out of my backside. I usually am. But I, I, it just seems it just seems obvious to me that if you if you all start to gather in the middle of a pandemic, you're going to spread this disease and there will be more cases and therefore more deaths and therefore we're going to have to go back into lockdown. It just seems obvious. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. Unless the mentality is now, look, let's just suck it and see and take whatever comes, which I don't, don't agree with. I just don't agree with it at this moment in time, especially because... Well, it was always about overwhelming the health service, wasn't it? So of if course. we start getting, getting to a point where we start to overwhelm the health service, that's where... That that's where the lockdown will come in. Uh, you know, I mean, I think I think the the government are quite happy f- to create this inverted commas herb mentality as far as they can because that will allow the economy to stay open and and all that stuff. But I think as soon as we start to see that, uh, you know, if if we and I hope we don't, by the way, you know, but if we start to see a big spike in cases and more people going into hospital and more people, you know, going into ICU, then I can't see anything but another lockdown. Interesting, you said herd mentality there, but that actually leads to herd immunity, is their thinking, you know, and I, uh, yeah, I think it's dangerous, a dangerous game, but... Um, yeah, herd, herd immunity is what I meant. Yeah, but it's, it's actually the herd mentality and the gathering leads to to potential other things. So, all right, let's, let's move on to the Man City game. Um, mm. We were full of trepidation with this. Um, yeah, I wasn't confident, were you? I, I, I always, I think, I tipped, didn't I, us to win? No, no, maybe I didn't. Um, I think we both went for a draw, didn't <laughs> we? We went for a draw, and that and even was that hopeful. Was, that hopeful. was a bit cocky to even yeah. go for a draw, even, to be honest. So, I mean, I think I sent you, um, you know, that, that, that game was such a strange one, because I think I sent you a, a text saying, this is a game of four quarters. Um, and I, I think... It's I think a, I sent you that text. No, I don't think. Go look on your WhatsApp. I sent it to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice try, but you're not nicking my best lines all the time I here. I think you did, Kerry. I think I did. I think you'll find I did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I fact, think you're actually confusing me with someone who cares, mate. But. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> I, I know you don't. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, it, what did you think of the side, first of all? Well, it was a pretty solid side. I mean, I thought the midfield was interesting in that he started with Barkley. Barkley, Kante and Mount in midfield. Um, other than that, I thought it was fairly, you know, to be expected. Aspi at right back and Alonso at, at left back with Christensen and Rudiger in the middle. Um, and then front three of William Giroud and, and Pulisic. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, there wasn't any real surprises in there, as I say, apart from Barkley. I'd... I, probably would have started with Kovacic but but there you go he has to rotate and he thought Barkley would be the man for the job so that was my only real sort of eyebrow raise what about you um I, yeah I thought it was interesting the midfield um Kovacic hasn't really done much wrong this season to keep him out of the side I guess he was thinking maybe Barkley would get us a goal somewhere along the line or, or you know a different kind of player um and I think he's reverting to having Kante in that holding role where he does two people's jobs. Um, I think for me, he had a great game the first game back, Kante. He was mixed against Man City. Uh, We'll talk about Leicester later. Um, But I I wasn't 100% sure that it worked the whole of the game, the the team. Um, I I think that midfield... I think Mason Mount had a pretty good game. Um, Again, the midfield just... With so many players to choose from, I think we're going to see this a lot for the rest of this season, this chopping and changing that midfield until Frank gets completely happy and completely settled with it. So well, you can't. You have to bear in mind the fatigue mentality, oh, the fatigue element of it as well. So he, he will rotate. Everybody's going to have to rotate. They've had three months off. They're not match fit. So Yeah, exactly. And, I don't and, think it's a case of him trying to find his, his, you know, his ideal midfield. I just think he needs to, to A match the midfield to the game um, and B, make sure that he's got players that are, 
you know, that are fit. And I, I guess this, this, this brings me on to a point that I wanted to make about players being ready. And it's something I've banged on about since the Leicester game. Um, but it covers both games, is people coming into to the team or starting in the team that just simply aren't ready. And, you know, I know people are going, well, they've had three months off and they haven't had much game time. Well, I'm sorry, you're an elite football. You need to be ready. You have to be ready. Otherwise, don't play. Don't play. Come off. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm slightly concerned that some players are more ready than others. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. But I also do feel that there are players who may not be at the races who will learn to be at the races now. I, I think, look... But you can't start them then, can you? No, not at this moment in time. And that's I what, think, that's I th- my point, though. I'm not saying that, that, you know, that you absolutely have to, and therefore, if you're not, you're a bad person. What I'm saying is, if you're going to start for Chelsea Football Club in the starting eleven in an important game, which is, you know, essentially a Champions League qualifier or an FA Cup quarterfinal, you need to be ready. You need to be match, not if not match fit, at least ready to, you know, to fight and battle and... Uh, and play with intensity, and some some places clearly weren't. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I w- I would also say against City, we we started the first half badly and we started the second half badly. As I said, you know, game of four quarters, those breaks were essential. You did say that to me, by the way. Thank you, <laughs> but, but um, it, they were essential moments for Frank to to get a grip of the side. What worries me is that he had to do that twice in a match to say what are you doing this isn't right you need to work blah 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 this way that way changing it up um and they respond why couldn't they do that anyway that that's my main concern is that frank is still having to almost wet nurse them through the match going this is just not the way to play against city both times they responded and that was wonderful but Damage could have been done in a far greater fashion, couldn't it? Yeah, well, thanks. Thank God for the for the drinks break. To be honest, yeah, drinks break is just turning into a coaching break now. Um, yeah, and yeah, I think that you know, I think the confusion over what you know your four quarters things because I think I said you know also on social media I said it's a half of two halves, which is kind of saying you know sort of saying about the first half, which is sort of sort of the same thing really, which is we started really poorly and sloppily and didn't seem to have any kind of strategy or game plan or, or certainly a game plan that was being executed properly um, and we allowed City to come on to us we weren't pressing um, and our our ability to transition to take the ball out of defence was 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 poor and then after the drinks break we managed to get some you know level of counter-attack going and that paid dividends. Well, and one person that I think we should... Well, there's two people I would single out for praise in that game. Uh, One was Andreas Christensen, who I thought had his best game ever for Chelsea. Um, And that time when he took that shot to the head, when you saw him actually move towards it, he knew he was going to get hit right in the head, and he went, no, I'm going to block this. I I thought he was fantastic. Eh? What a wuss. What a wuss. It's a bloody football. Get up. Get up (laughs) and get on with it. I'd, I'd like. I, not a baseball bat, is it? Come on. Get I up. don't know. I think it's hard enough. It just. Do you think John Terry on? would have gone down like that? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> was he? I was. like Andreas Christensen a lot, and I tell you why. And, and I think praise praise also for Rudiger. I thought both centre backs were were excellent. And what's great about those two is one is really good at one on one tackling, but isn't fantastic about bringing the ball out of defence or distribution. And one probably lacks a little bit in one-on-one tackling, but is great at bringing the ball out of defence. And obviously Rudiger is the first one in that he's a great, you know, offensive 
defensive player in the sense that he will he will go in for the challenge and you know he's very aggressive but I don't think his distribution is very good Christensen's really good with the ball at his feet and we'll come on we'll talk about the centre-back pairing against Leicester and why that was different but in this game it worked really well and Christensen with with Rudiger supporting him if you like was was able to do what he what he does best which is to win the ball anticipate the ball read the read the read the game really well and and then start the start the move going forward I think they're our best pairing um, at this moment well. in time. Um, I th- I'm still not sure Rudiger is up at the level that he has been for us. Now, whether that's because he you know, had a truncated start to a season, he's, I, I don't know. Um, I, thought, yeah, I think I, with I, Rudiger, it's about trusting his other defenders. I agree. I think, he's, I think he's overthinking it. I think he's trying to do too much. I think he, he is a natural leader. And I think he's trying to cover for everybody else, and he doesn't have the level of trust in his goalkeeper and his other defenders. I think if he, if he was with you know a, a goalkeeper that he trusts, uh, another centre back, and and full backs that he had full confidence in, you'd see a different player. Um, but he's sort of running around um, sometimes recklessly and headlessly sometimes to 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 sort of mop up and cover mistakes and not really doing his job. And I think somebody needs to say to Rudiger, do your job. Do your job and let us worry about everybody else. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that that whole trust is is a real big issue, especially at the back, because it's been, let's face it, a pretty poor season for us defensively. So um, I think it's a, probably the best pairing. Ultimately, I mean, I would say just on that point that when you look at the great defenses that we've had, when you looked at the, um, you know, John Terry, uh, Ricardo Carvalho, Peter Cech triangle, if you like. There was trust, massive trust in in those players. You know, they trusted the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper trusted the centre backs, and that's why that worked so well. In that everybody got on with their own job and trusted that the person next to them or behind them was going to do their job. And yeah. that's the difference in this defence. I don't think that's quite there. No, I, I agree, I, I, and that is something I would hope we we deal with in in the transfer market. Again, we'll talk about this later when we we get on to the. And you the look at game. you look at the, the the teams that are smashing it at the moment. You look at Liverpool and City, and you can see that you can see the level of trust that there is in Edison, that there is in Allison in those goalkeepers. And you know, I don't think City have got that good a defence as as we'll come on and talk about, but. There is a level of trust there. Liverpool just that that their defence is excellent. There's no two ways about it. They all trust each other, and there's the leadership of Van Dijk and and you know the, I mean I don't want to praise Liverpool too much, but that's been the foundation of their success. I think, and we all, everybody talks about their their players moving forward, but they're very very solid at the back. Yeah, well, I think he was the missing player for for them yeah. when they got him. That changed everything. Okay, well, you, you, you're talking about trust. You keep mentioning goalkeeper. Ian Collier asks, would Tim Krul be a good short term re- replacement for Kepper? Um, now, see, I don't see the point of it, Ian. I, I just think he's old. Uh, he's not going to be around. And well, old. I mean, he's he's an aging goalkeeper by football yep. standards, and uh, I, I think he's an excellent goalkeeper. He's the kind of goalkeeper that I'd be happy to bring in in a, a sort of Rob Green role, or even even a Caballero role, to be honest, in terms of backup. Um, but it, but no, he's not he's not a, he's not a front line fix. I think we have to be looking to build this team in the long term. So bringing in sort of scarred mercenary players uh, to 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 fix short term problems, I, I don't I don't see what that solves. I hear what you're saying, and uh, and there's sense in what you're saying. But I think if you're going to Get a goalkeeper, get one that you you know that's going to be there and build that defence and build that trust in that defence over the long term. 
Because I don't think it's Kepa. <laughs> I genuinely don't think it's Kepa moving forward. I've tried to really support Kepa over the years that he's been there. Um, but I just think that it's probably time that we look at what his long-term future in the team is going to be. Uh, it's it's such a tough one, isn't it? For the amount of money that, that got paid for him, there has to be a moment where somebody goes... If we're sticking with him, we really do have to coach him because for me, that distribution, I mean, oh my God, the the couple of times that he just, you know, I, I can't bear the short goal kicks that we take. I don't think we're very good at them. We're not it good goes, at it. We, it goes left, it goes right, and then we dink it out to the full back. And then every now and then it comes back to Kepper and he tries to play some extravagant little chip. If you're uh, going to play that that short pass out of defence, it has to be properly coached. And one thing you can give Sarri some credit for yeah. was when we did that, we were very, very good at it because he coached them within an inch of their lives on how to do it. And, and yes, the problems were a slightly stodgy build-up play, side-to-side play, boring to watch, lack of penetration. But actually bringing the ball out of defence, we were superb. I would say probably the best in the league. Um, uh, but now it's it's not something that's coached, and we don't have the players and the strategy to transition out of defence like that. So that needs working on. I think the whole defence needs working on. I think if there's a flaw in Lampard's managerial career so far, is I don't think he's got the defensive coaching right. Also, there's the others. I was going to say, in a way, we can't really blame Frank necessarily until we see what he does through the break as as to who he buys and who he changes. I think we can really blame Frank because we are still incredibly vulnerable from the same parts of the pitch. The diagonal ball from uh you know from 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 our half into the box or 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 across is generally we are incredibly vulnerable and that's coaching Kerry that is knowing how and when to either zonally mark or pick up man to man and and that just happened when it happens time and time again that's a coaching issue that's not a personnel issue or okay that I was just wondering if that could just be the players are not up to it well, you, it's obvious to me that if you if you look at the places where we're vulnerable, the players are not being drilled enough in what they need to do to get in front of players or to mark players. It's so obvious to me that you know when a player runs off and has two or three yards of space to head the ball inside our box, that's a coaching issue. That's, you know, when they sit there with their iPads before a sub, a sub comes on. And that, what they're doing is they're showing them where to be mm. and, and, and where to stand and how to defend particular set pieces. That's what those coaches are doing. And, 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 it, and they're clearly not doing it well enough. You know, no. are, we, are we zonal? Are we man-to-man? Are we a combination of both? I can't see it. I've watched it and I've watched it. And there just is not enough of a defensive strategy there for me at the moment. It's maddening. No, okay, I, I get that. I get that. Um, also, I don't you have like... a goalkeeper that doesn't come for crosses. <laughs> yeah, um, which which I think is another reason why we need to invest in a goalkeeper that that has some level of dominance in the penalty area because that will build that trust that we're talking about. I'd agree, and I hate zonal marking. I, it just doesn't work. It reminds me of Arsenal, and Arsenal leak goals all the time, and we're doing that. And and all our great sides have always been, and and you always say this, have been built on great defences. And our defence is not great, and it won't compete with Man City and Liverpool not, until we sort we won't, it. We won't win. We won't win things with the defence as it no. is at the moment. It's as simple as that. And no. I, 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 the, the problem with 
The problem with zonal marking, I think zonal marking, pure zonal marking has has you know faded away slightly but most teams most elite teams will use a combination of zonal and man-to-man so there will be zones that will be marked you know near post edge of the you know edge of the six yard box um penalty spot that type of stuff that will be zonal um but then there is also the element of man-to-man and and i think it's the element of man-to-man that's missing in our defensive strategy and i think i think where we do need to invest is in a brilliant defensive coach yeah no i i would agree with that the the other player that I would like to single out for credit because I think he's showing already, and let's face it, he's been managed by Frank. You know, people were surprised that, oh, he didn't really play much at the beginning. Then he came in, then he played, then he got injured. But it looks as though Frank has been trying to look after him and ease him into the league, and ease him into the team. It's Christian Pulisic, who you are seeing moments of him that are wondrous aren't they i mean that goal i mean it's it's just all about thought the way he waits for the defender to come across and commit and then just literally just dinks it round off he goes he's he's got something about him hasn't he yeah, he's got a bit of magic about him. I, I really, really like him. I've always liked him. I have to say, there's some, mm. they had something about him that that was different to other players in the league. Um, he's got those afterburners that Hazard had. I don't want to make the comparisons with Hazard because I think that's unfair on him um, to, to compare him necessarily with, with with Eden Hazard or with any other player. I think he's Christian Pulisic, and we yeah. have to. But but there are elements of his play. He has that ability to change play to change pace to, to accelerate and I think he demonstrated that um to get away from Bernard Mendy is it Mendy yeah who, who he got away from you know where he he, picked, he he managed to win the ball in in midfield anticipation was brilliant and the change of pace to take him away from the from the from the defender and the finish the finish was superb um you know, against that, a, what is considered the best goalkeeper in the league yeah he's a brilliant goalkeeper Edison and and I think you know he that, that was a pinpoint finish and showed real calmness and that calmness and that focus was slightly missing at the beginning of his Chelsea tenure. Uh, and it seems to be there now. He's, he's a dead-eyed finisher now. And I think once we start putting real quality around him and allowing him to, to really fly, I think it's, he's going to be a really, really important player for us going forward if he can stay fit. Yeah, I agree. Because that's uh, the issue with him, really, is that he he looks he looks at the moment as if he has a level of fragility about him. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. Um, we ended up getting um, well. One thing we should mention is Frank again getting substitutions right. Um, he seems to be quite good at substitutions and working out when they should happen and changing the game, which is what you want from substitutions. It's a yeah. very yeah. Sorry, it's a it's a very important part of the process. It's a one area he does get right a lot. I mean, I think I don't think, for example, in the city game, the substitutions were were necessarily the the difference. You know, I mean, there were good subs. I mean, he brought Abraham on after sixty two minutes for Giroud, and he brought Kovacic on after seventy three minutes for Barkley. I mean, they were they were good subs. Um, Kovacic, I think, coming on always makes an impact. Um, Abraham Abraham did well when he came on, and then he bought you know he bought Pedro and Gilmore on very very late in the game in, in injury time just to waste a little bit of time and shore things up. But I think um, yeah, I mean he's he is good with subs. I think it was more more in this game. It was more at the drinks breaks where he just tweaked it. 
and he and he gave him a bit of a rocket, probably. Yeah, um, I, I thought. And, I thought. Sorry, I, I thought Tammy did change it up. I, I thought Giroud had been okay. Yeah, I agree with Tammy. I mean, he did. He, yeah. he he definitely made a difference. Well, he was able to stretch the game a little bit. And the one thing, the problem with Giroud is that he doesn't have the pace. You know, so he's great if he can hold the ball up and lay it off. And Tammy was able to stretch that defence a little bit and create a little bit of space in the game. So yes, absolutely, that was a good sub. And he creates havoc because he is arms and legs, but he's also quick. He's also to the point. And without him, I, I don't think we'd have got the penalty. And, and that penalty, um, why did VAR take so long? Oh, yeah, it was. Sexy but, penalty, but, though. <laughs> it was. It was a beautiful penalty. And, but why did it take so long? It was so obvious, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't obvious when it when when you know when when it first happened. Uh, watching it on TV, I mean, I was like, "Why didn't you score? For God's sakes, you know, <laughs> put the ball in the net." Uh, but yes, once once we saw the pictures, yeah, I mean, you should, they should have just said, "Here's a penalty. Carry on. Red card. See ya." Did you yeah, have they, a they, VAR they, 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 scare though? <laughs> did did, did what, you sorry? have a VAR? Did you have a VAR scare that they're not going to give it because it was just seemingly? Hold on, I've just seen one angle and that is so obviously just slapped away um, do you know I, what i, I think was, the, I was the delay was i don't think the delay was for the penalty i think the, the penalty was probably i think it was about the red card i think that was that was ah, the delay okay i think okay. they were probably saying was this was there was there an attempt to play the ball in other words you know what was it was it so deliberate i do you know i think that was probably the quandary that it was you know is, is this a red card offense the whole double double jeopardy thing but clearly i mean clearly it was Fair enough. Okay. Well, look, um, we will discuss William in the second half because we should go to the break now. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great win. Um, somehow we did it. And I was, I was, I'd forgotten that elation of winning a game that you're not sure you're, you're going to, going to win. It's uh that was a, a refound emotion for me. It was brilliant. Uh, and what, I'll tell you what the real shame about not, not being in the ground for that was, is we definitely would have had one step beyond at the end of it. Yes, yeah, we absolutely will. Well, maybe you want to sing us out into the break with One Step Beyond. Yeah, I'll give that swerve. Okay, here's the break. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Right, we're back. Um, as happy as we were with the Leicester game, uh, uh, with the Man City game, Leicester was a very, very odd beast. Um, this was one of the strangest performances that I've seen in a long time. Frank said it was the worst performance he's had under him. I think it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. I know that sounds extreme. Um, the only thing you can say for it is we got 
the win and we are through to the next round in through to the semi-finals um but everything from the moment we stepped out on the pitch was wrong 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 yes it was an absolute <laughs> horror show of a performance a shocking shambolic horrendous horrific game I, I, honestly it was one of the worst performances i've ever seen i just i was gobsmacked how bad we were particularly in the first 20 minutes it was beyond belief that we could play that badly in the semi-final of a, 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 a quarter-final of the fa cup um and you have to look at you know you don't want to single out players but it comes back to that idea of why aren't you ready why, why do you look like you haven't stepped out of bed for the last three months, let alone on a training pitch? Some of the decision-making, giving the ball away, uh, positional play, was just beyond belief, Kerry. Yeah, no, it, it was. And, I mean, the side was one of those you thought, OK, he's made a few changes. Um, <clears throat> this is going to be all right, isn't it? Um, and yet we should have been 3-0 down within about 15 minutes. Um and actually, the, the the break didn't quite help us as much, the drinks break. Um, but you could see Frank seething on the side, couldn't you? I mean, Well, it, he was just shouting, liven up. I mean, that's, that's what he was shouting. I mean, the close-up on him, he's just like, liven up. And I think that, you know, echoed what everybody else was thinking is, why are you half asleep? I mean, you talk about the side. Um, Rudiger and Zuma, I don't think, is a good pairing for the reasons that I said. Neither of those yep. players can bring the ball out of defence. Neither of those players are good with the ball at their feet. And against... A hard, high-pressing team like Leicester who are going to come at you with energy from the off. You've got to be able to get that ball out of defence with some level of uh, quality. And, and we didn't have that outlet. So, and, and when it did go into midfield, and the midfield was Mount and Kante and Gilmore, which you think should have the quality to be able to hold and give and go and, and start to move the ball into their half. They just failed miserably because the ball was just given away. I mean, Billy Gilmore, I mean, much as I love the kid and think that he's going to be an important player for us, what was he thinking? What was he doing? I mean, the performances that he'd put in against Everton, Liverpool, man-of-the-match performances where he'd really shown us what where his qualities were, that he could tackle, that he could pass, that he had great vision, none of that was there. And yes, he hasn't played. And yes, you know, there, there's no match fitness there and all that stuff. But he literally forgot how to play football in those first 15 minutes. And I, I also think there was something about him not playing in the position we'd seen him play before. He just looked, he just actually looked out of his depth where we played him. And but schoolboy errors about <clears throat> playing the ball square and giving the ball away, and you know, I mean, so many times. I mean, th- I think yeah. three times they could have resulted in 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 goals. We could have been three nil down in ten minutes. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And he thought, oh, he's gonna, he's gonna shake his head and clear, clear the, clear his head and get on with the, with the game. But he never did. He, it, in fact, it was one of those. I think Frank probably wanted to hoik him off much earlier than half time. But I think he was worried about the impact on him, perhaps. Yeah, um, I think. Look, I think the problem was that it was the press, wasn't it? That actually, Man City don't really press you; they just pass you off. The Leicester, pitch, you know. Uh, no, so Man City don't. Oh, you know, sorry. In, okay. In, in, yeah, in the Man about. in the Man City game, you you, you, <clears throat> you don't. They're, they're not a team that come at you, you know, with that shock and awe tactic of pressing. They're just they just have the angles. They 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 pass. They pass. They pass, and then they 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 hit you hard whereas a, a team like Leicester and Liverpool to a certain extent they come at you hard you know yeah. and they they press and they 
push up on the fullbacks and they you know they make it very difficult they close you down and I think that was just shocking for you know for our midfield they just couldn't deal with not having time on the ball and that that's what that goes back to being ready and I think you know uh, two or three games into a fairly intense Premier League season you should be you should be ready to deal with that and, and move the ball forward and counter-attack from that and push them back. And we just weren't able to push them back. And I just thought it was, well, if, we, if we're going to win things, if we want to get back to where we were, we've got to be able to deal with this, especially against a team like Leicester, who are a decent team, but they're not a team that we should be cowed by. No, and the, you've hit the nail on the head. The, the one thing Leicester got right in the whole game was their press. Um, we couldn't deal with it. Thankfully, they were profligate in front of goal. They didn't get it together, and we managed to fight to live another day. But um, the substitutions at halftime... Um, triple yeah, sub. I, triple sub. I get Gilmore going off. Um, Reese James, uh, sorry, but it was as bad as the performance the, the other week, um, where he just looked as though I don't even know what this football is. Well, um, if you look at the three performances in recent times, Bayern Munich, you know, he was he was just taught a lesson. Now, you, you can say in the Bayern Munich game, well, at Bayern Munich are a, a team at the peak of their powers. They're a brilliant team. Everybody suffered in that game. They were just brilliant. I think that's probably the best performance by an opposition side I've seen for a long, long time against us. But, you know, he, he didn't have a great game in that, but nor did many others. Um, he really He really, when he came on as a sub... Uh, you know, in 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 the previous game he wasn't great, and and in this game he was god god awful. You know, and so something's going on with Reese in terms of wanting too much time on the ball, not making decisions. You know, not 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 doing what Reese James does, which is to you know to defend with vigor and energy and to attack with intensity. You know, and and my view is. You have to be able to do that. And yes, we'll give you a couple of games, but you have to deliver. And I think Frank's triple substitution was a real indication that Frank Lampard is saying, I love young players. I love nurturing young players. It's brilliant. But you're not going to stop me winning a trophy. I'm not going to I'm not going to give you a free ride. So you either deliver or you come off. Because I tell you what, there's a lot of very big quality players coming into this team in this transfer window and those players are not going to be given a free ride because they're youth products you know because they came through the academy that's not good enough yes you came from the through the academy and so we like you and we love you that little bit more because you feel like in inverted commas one of ours but you have to deliver it's not good enough just to turn up with a chelsea shirt on and say i've been here since i was seven you have to play football and you have to deliver and if you don't i'm afraid we're going to have to think about your position in the team so so reese james needs to sort himself out quickly yeah i i agree with that um i the third player who was, who was taken off was mason mount i actually thought he was a little unlucky to be taken off he actually looked not too bad and he did link up with Pulisic I think there's a little bit of chemistry between those two yeah, um, I think of the three that, that's probably true and he's he is, he's a, he's also played played a lot more football than the others so yeah I think he just probably wanted to 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 put some solidity in midfield and I think Mason probably probably you're right he's probably a little bit unlucky yeah, I I, th- I think that's it. But I think it also sends a message. It sends a strong message. It says, you, you and you, you're not up to it. You're coming off. Hoiked them off. That's it. Experience comes on. And we ended up managing to to, to get through the game. Um, the Nobody's same- saying these players are crap. Nobody's saying yeah. that they're finished. Nobody's saying that they're, you know, they're over. And, and nobody's giving them abuse. 
I think what we're doing is critiquing performances and critiquing critiquing maybe levels of fitness or levels of, of readiness and um, and le- levels of desire. And I think that's fair enough to critique these players for that. Nobody, I don't want to get any any you know sort of abuse on on social media saying why do you hate Reese James or why do you hate Billy Gilmore? I don't. I love them, but they have to deliver. They have to deliver. And, and as Frank said in his press conference afterwards, and he was very quick to, to come out with it, these are going to be top, top players. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think there's any doubt right. about that. I don't think there's any doubt that they're going to go on to have amazing careers. But, you know, these are not, this is not a rehearsal. No. These are important games. Every game we play is important. It's either, a, a, you know, going to get us to a, towards a, a final. <laughs> Um, and, and when it's a trophy or it's going to get us into the Champions League. These are not rehearsals. This is not warm-ups, not pre-season. You've got to go out, they've got to be ready, and you've got to be intense. Yeah, it's and true. And to be fair, Frank did say, you know, I could have taken off more players. Yeah. You know, he he he, he took those those three youth players off, or young players, we should say, off. And, um, you know, but he could have taken several others off, to be fair. No, it's true. Um, okay, so it was interesting to be playing Leicester because, uh, as Jeff Waddell says... Am I the only one who isn't that impressed with Chilwell any time I've seen him play? Good going forward, average at defending, doesn't seem an improvement on Alonso. Um, what are your thoughts? No, I think, that's, I think that's wrong, unfortunately. I think Chilwell's a very, very classy player. Yeah, I, think I do. He's, positionally, he's very, he's very good positionally. Uh, I think he is a player that, that understands how to work in a system, uh, which we need. We need players that can work in systems. I think he is excellent going forward. I think he can cross brilliantly. I think he's dynamic. I think he plays with intensity. I think he can defend. I think he's a classy, classy player and be a really a good addition to our squad. So were you relieved that we actually got through this game? Oh, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't be relieved? Of course. Uh, I mean, Ross Barkley popped up, scored a, you know, scored a really good goal, well-taken goal, brilliant cross from William um, in the 63rd minute. But we were never comfortable in this game. Um, and, yeah, I just don't think that there were... There was, an, there was too many players missing or hiding during this game. And, and, and hopefully this is a massive wake-up call for the whole team. Frank hopefully tore them a new one at full time and just said, this is not acceptable. If you wear a Chelsea shirt, you cannot play like this. This is not acceptable. Well, we'll see how it develops in the next game. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is that winning that has now meant we get a semi-final against United at Wembley. Which It'd be nice I'd... to beat them this season, wouldn't it? <clears throat> well, fourth time lucky. Yeah. Um, Matungi asks, where do you think Frank got it wrong, the three fixtures he's played versus United so far, and what can he do to beat them in the semis? That's a good question. Well, they're a decent side, United. They they can hurt you. They're not that good defensively. I think I think where we've probably got it wrong against United is I, I think we've maybe been given them a little bit too much respect, and I think that we need to play sensibly and we need to have a you know a good shape. But we've really got to release those attacking players and and get in and amongst them a little bit more than we have done in the previous games, because I think that going forward we we can hurt them badly. Um, and as long as we're solid at the back and we, as long as we do our jobs at the back, um, that actually we can we can score more goals than them. And and I think that we've got to believe a little bit more and and realise where our strengths lie and our strengths lie moving forward. 
Yeah, I'll go with that. Well, look, we're we're getting close to the end of the programme, so we should actually go to our first, worst and best, which this week comes from Richard Lancaster. Hi, this is Richard Lancaster from Preston in Lancashire with my first, worst and best. I'm doing this slightly different in, differently in that this is my very first season as a Chelsea fan, which is way back in the 65-66 season. My older brother, Derek, had just been signed on by Chelsea on apprentice forms and um, I came down to London with my dad for his trial. Uh, we ended up back at Stamford Bridge to sign the forms and my first recollection of the bridge was running up the stairs behind the shed and looking out across that vast bowl of a stadium. And from then on in, I was a Chelsea fan. My first game was an away game at Blackburn Rovers. My dear old mum took me on the bus from Preston. Recollections of that game were Chelsea playing in red, um, a 1-0 win with a George Graham goal. Um, also remember in those days you could actually um, move and change ends according to which way your team was kicking and that was my first experience of that. My worst game was the infamous semi-final, FA Cup semi-final at Villa Park. Uh, Chelsea playing in the um, Inter Milan kit of black and um, black and blue stripes. Um, played on a mud bath of a pitch, 2-0 defeat. One of the goals for Wednesday scored by Jim McCallyog, who'd recently been a Chelsea player. And that was quite honestly the first my first experience of being absolutely devastated by um, a Chelsea result. Uh, and that kind of feeling after defeat stayed with me well into my adult life and I became quite well known for my moods when Chelsea lost games. And um, it all began on that day, sadly. My best, again, was the FA Cup and earlier round, the third round at Anfield in front of the Cop at Liverpool. A Chelsea 2-1 win after being 1-0 down. Uh, goals from Osgood and Tambling. My everybody memory from that game was um, hearing my dad say um, that Chelsea reminded him of the old Preston North End Tom Finney days. Um, he was so impressed with them and that made me feel really proud as a nine-year-old to say my dad likened my team to, to his team, if you like, um, which was really good for me. So there you go. That's my first, worst and best. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you. And we're back. So took us all the way back to the 65, 66 season. Year I was um, born. Oh, there you go. What an important year. That was the year. I, I loved the bit where he talks about the semi-final against Sheffield Wednesday, which he hated the game, but we wore the Inter Milan kind of kit, um, mm. which uh, I, I loved that Inter Milan kit. Um, you know, I would have loved to, not that I remember it, but I've seen pictures and I thought, yeah, that looks like a nice kit. Um, mm. Talking of kit, Dave Eagleton asks for your views on the new kit. I hate Three's logo, so I've got a problem. Well, I don't like the logo, but I think the kit's quite nice. Yeah, I don't mind that. I, I quite like, I like, like the, the black, black trim. Yeah. I like the black trim a lot. I think that's good. Oh, I think it's nice. I, look, I like simplicity in football kits. Yeah. I don't like elaborate, 
overthought, overwrought, um, <laughs> funky kits. I just don't like them. I like, you know, very, very simple kits. My favourite kit is the 1970, you know, blue kit you know, rampant lion badge. I mean, that, that my, that's my favourite kit. I mean, it's just a, you know, I just like the, the the lines and the simplicity of it. And there's an element of that with this kit, which I like. But you're right, I don't like the three logo. No, but yeah, the black is really interesting. I can't remember we've ever had black trim. So no. it's it's new. Um, I'm sure some purists will say it's a disgrace, but, um, but I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll make it work. I'll make it look good. <laughs> uh, what, when you're dancing? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, disco dancing in your new kit. Sounds good to me. I want to yeah, see it. I, I like it. I like it. I, I like it more than I've liked, than I like the current home kit. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. Too much going on in the new, in the, in this old kit. Yeah. So, um, okay. I don't like red in our kits. No, no, I don't. This is nice blue. Mm. Um, okay, coming up, we need quick prediction time. Uh, we've got West Ham. Wednesday night, West Ham away, normally a hotbed of hatred from West Ham. Um, It won't be that, will it? Um, Uh, What are your thoughts on that, and what's your prediction? Well, they're not very good, are they, West Ham? But that that doesn't really Can we say that the day after? Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, again, they're a team that we can get at. They're a team that we can, I think that they, if we can play with intensity and we can get forward and we can move at pace, that we should have too much for them in the tank. They're, they're, again, they're not, they're not scoring a huge amount of goals. They're, not, they're a bit of a threat at, at sort of set pieces and, and crosses because of their size. Um, so I'm slightly concerned about that, but I, I, we, we really should have more, in, you know, more, more than West Ham. I, I'm fairly confident we can beat them. Okay, um, what's your prediction for that? 2-0. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go three nil, um, and yeah, I agree with you. We should have too much for them. And then at the weekend, we've got Watford. Um, that's that's always a bit of a, a tough one, isn't it? Um, they're a steely kind of side, but yeah. you never quite know what you're going to get from them. We played we played well against them earlier in the season at Vicarage Road, uh, which I which I went to and got very wet. It was a very wet game. I was soaked through and shivering for most of that game, um, and we played well. Although we almost blew it at the end. Um, yeah, they almost scored with the last kick of the game in that game. If I remember, we were pretty much all over them for most of the game. I think it's a case of if we can if we can. It sounds very obvious, but if we can get a couple of goals, I don't think they have the firepower to get back but again they're another team that will lump it forward they'll test us with the with the aerial balls if Troy Deeney's playing you know his presence in the penalty area will will cause concern do they have enough quality up front to beat us but I don't think they do so again I'm going to go I'm going to go 2-0 on that one as well Okay, I'll go 3-0 on that one as well. That's going to be all right. That's six points coming up, which, let's face it, at this moment in time... Got to be teams like that. They're both down, yeah. you know, they're, they're both down in the in the sort of the nether regions of the Premier League. We, we, if we want to push on and, and finish comfortably top four, we've got to beat these two teams. Well, the third spot is well up for grabs now. I, I do see us closing Leicester down over this yeah. next couple of games. Yeah, let's next hope so. couple of games. So, yeah, let's see. All right, Andy. Well, look, we're, we're just about out of time. Um, perhaps you want to do your usual roundup of 
contacts. Yeah, if you want to follow us, you can follow me. Uh, this is on Twitter. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me on Mr. A. Saunders. You can follow Kerry at Kerry Levy, which is C-E-R-I-L-E-V-Y. Uh, and you can follow this podcast on at the... Sorry, at Chelsea Podcast. No, the at Chelsea Podcast. Uh, that's Twitter. Uh, on Instagram, you can follow me on at One True Saunders. Uh, you can follow Kerry on at Kerry Levy One. That's C E R I L E V Y One. Uh, and you can follow uh, the Chelsea Podcast uh, on Instagram as well. Uh, and send us some feedback on questions um, and uh, anything you want to ask us for next week. Uh, that they're the, they're the places to send it to us. Brilliant. Well, thanks as ever, Andy. And to everyone out there, we'll get round to the rest of the questions we didn't get to answer this week. But, you know, we do go on a bit. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right, Andy. Um, I'll speak to you next week. Have a good week and take yeah, it easy. Ask yourself, mate. Take care. Cheers. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.